Thanks for checking out the Refuge Official Podcast. Wherever you're from, we hope that this message will encourage you and help you grow in your relationship with God. Now, here's our lead pastor, Matthew Malik. So today, how many of you are ready for the Word? Ready for the Word? Okay. We have been... Uh, endeavoring to share with you over the last few weeks, actually this summer, the core values of refuge. And this is actually part eight in this series. And we're, we're looking at the core value entitled, We Are Enablers for Those Who Seek Truth. And, uh, and one of the things that we need to understand is, I believe it's dangerous to believe a lie. It's absolutely dangerous to believe a lie. And why? Because, and really, people believe a lie because either they haven't heard the truth, or when they heard it, maybe it wasn't presented quite right, so they rejected it. But I believe there's a yearning in the heart of every individual, every human being, to know the truth. Because it's truth that brings freedom in our lives. It's truth that makes a difference in our lives. But it's dangerous to believe a lie. And, and we can see that it's dangerous to believe a lie. Uh, we are very sad to uh, announce and, and share the recent tragedy in El Paso yesterday with 20 being gunned down at a Walmart, a crowded Walmart, and uh, 26 injured. And then very early this morning, there was a mass shooting in Dayton, Ohio, and that was the second American mass shooting in 24 hours, the third in this past week. You know, obviously, somebody believed the lie to do what they did in those scenarios. But we want to take a moment and pray because I think our nation, this is really a wake-up call. But when will we wake up? And, and, and we need to really... Go to God with these matters. There are lives that have been devastated, lives that have been robbed from this earth, families that are trying to now pick up the pieces and deal with all this. Law enforcement trying to deal with all this. It just sets such an upheaval because of this evil force that's working in the earth. Does that mean God doesn't care? No, he does care. But he wants to move and make a difference. But he has so designed to work through those who put their faith in him to make a difference. So it's time for the church, for believers across this nation, around the world to rise up. And I'm just going to have you stand and we're going to pray. We're not going to only pray for the message that we're going to hear. But we also want to pray for those that have been affected, those injured people right now that are fighting for their lives. We need to pray. Heavenly Father, we humbly come before you in the light of these recent tragedies. Father, we pray for your mercy to be released and extended to those that are in pain right now, to those who've lost loved ones, to these families. Father, we just pray for your wisdom to emerge out of this chaos. And Father, for your redeeming love to come at such a time as this in the name of Jesus. And Father, we take authority in the name of Jesus over those evil influences that have corrupted minds because of lies that they believed to be able to do such heinous things. In Jesus' name, help us, O oh God, to respond. Father, not react, but to respond in the way that we can intervene in the lives of those, Father, that may be in a situation that they could do such a thing. Help us to reach those people before they act in such a horrible way. In Jesus' name we pray. Now we ask for healing, Father, for our nation. Father, we also pray today for the ministry of your word as it goes forth. Give us hearts, Father, that can receive truth and apply it in our lives so that we can grow. In Jesus' name, amen.
Chloe Values, you can go ahead and be seated. Okay. Uh, I'm not going to, in light of these events, I'm, I'm not going to uh, share any humor. I'm going to actually save that for next week. I got some good picnic jokes, but they can wait till next week, okay? Um, core values. What are core values? Well, a core value is a belief, it's a conviction, or it's a philosophy that is central to what we believe and to how we live our lives. It affects the way we live our lives to serve others. Uh, core beliefs really becomes a guiding principle of your life. And, and a, as a church, we have guiding principles. And, and our core values are based on biblical truth. They're biblical principles. Refuge is a place for people, and, and that's a tagline. And you might say, well... You know, shouldn't it be? Yeah, every church should be a place for people. But yet, a lot of places you go and people aren't really welcome because they have to look a certain way, they have to act a certain way. Some people might be offended today because I'm preaching in a T-shirt, but this is our church picnic, just doing a little promo here. But, you know, (laughs) but don't be offended by that. I mean, people were offended by Jesus, the way he came across, because, you know, in his hometown, people said, this is the guy, the kid we grew up with. You know, and, and, and so people took offense to Jesus when he began to get up and proclaim the truth. And not only was he rejected, but his message was rejected, especially by the religious leaders of the day, because Jesus didn't act, talk, or look like them. And not that, you know, we need to conform to anyone, but we should strive as believers to look like Jesus, not that you dress like he dressed in that day, but you look like him in character and the way you live out your life, okay? I really believe that people will come through these doors and they may come here in need. They may come here broken. They may come healthy. They may come whole. But whatever condition they come in, this is the place where they can receive truth that will help bring freedom in their lives. This is the place where they can be welcomed to grow and start or continue on their journey with God. Because each of you and anyone who comes through these doors has a divine ordained purpose that God's determined for their life. And the sad thing is so many people live out their whole life and they never fulfill their God-given purpose. At Refuge, our desire is to help people discover their purpose, to find their purpose. And our vision statement, and you've heard this said again, and I encourage you to really get this down, because if you're part of Refuge, this is, this is what we embrace as a vision statement. At Refuge, we believe all people matter to God. Do you believe that? At Refuge, we believe that, that all people matter to God. This is a place where we grow while finding authentic hope, purpose, and love through Jesus. Jesus is the source of all those things. The world needs hope in light of events like just happened. The world needs hope because this can cause people to give up, to throw in the towel, say, what's the use? And to really have purpose and to discover true and genuine love Jesus is the source of all of that. So far, and all of the podcasts online are free. If you've missed some of these messages, our core values that we've covered, we are people who cannot be broken. We are a family that will always forgive. We are peacemakers in the world at war. We are a body that when damaged will heal. We are a safe place for poor and for rich. We are a haven for those who are tired. And we are a friend that will never grow weary. And today, we are enablers for those who seek truth. Now, I believe, you know, there's a spiritual hunger in people. And so often, people are trying to fill that spiritual hunger with a lot of other things. People are hungry for the truth. And in Matthew 5, 6, the scripture says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. See, the problem is sometimes we're not hungering or thirsting for the right things. 
and, and, and therefore we're not really satisfied. True satisfaction comes when we hunger and thirst for righteousness. I want, want to direct you to a scripture, and, and we're going to come back to this in this message, but John eight thirty one and 32. John eight thirty one and 32. Jesus, in one of his discourses, is addressing issues relating to where people are at. And in that day, the religious leaders didn't really like Jesus because he spoke with authority and he spoke with conviction that brought people to really understand and know the truth. And so Jesus is addressing uh, this issue concerning truth. And we see in John 8, verse 31, Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. We're going to pause there just for a moment. And you can leave the uh, scripture up on on the screen behind me. Jesus said, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. A true disciple and a discipline is simply a disciplined follower. One who has made the effort to discipline themselves to follow Jesus. And, and to do that, you have to abide in his word. The word abide literally means to live, to make you abode, to make you home in. Okay? Uh, to abide, you know, all of you have an abode. Hopefully, none of you are homeless. And if you are, let us know, and we'll see what we can do to help you. But you have a place you can abide. And, and Jesus tells us and makes it clear that we can abide in his word. And so that will bring you to a place of discipline or discipleship where you can be identified as a true follower of Jesus Christ. Now, verse 32 And this is the good part, okay? Not that the first verse isn't, but verse 32 says, And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. The reason people aren't set free is because they don't know the truth. And and yet sometimes people are afraid to hear the truth because they think it's going to require them to change or do something they don't want to give up. But the truth, knowing the truth, is what brings us into a place of freedom. And so that's why there's forces in our culture that are trying to shut us up from proclaiming and sharing the truth. Because without people knowing the truth, they will never be free. Okay? Now I want to ask you this question. Do you consider yourself a truth seeker? Because the title of this message is we are enablers for those who seek truth. My challenge to you is to become a truth seeker. And because there are those uh, that would rather believe a lie because if they hear the truth, it means they have to change or it requires them to change. And so... That's a challenge I, I, I put out there for you. But then some people would may have the question, does truth really exist? Is there such a thing as truth? In the culture today, uh, there's a real crisis when it comes to defining truth. Uh, secular humanism and humanists state that truth is relative. And it depends on where you're at, what you believe. What's true to you is not necessarily true to me. And so truth is is relative to the situation, to the circumstance. And, uh, and also, they also say the end justifies the means. So it's no big deal to compromise the truth if, it, if it's going to help you out, okay? They claim that truth is not absolute. But I believe that they're absolutely wrong, okay? Because truth is absolute, okay? And absolute truth, I'm going to give you the definition for that, just as a reference point as we continue in this message. Absolute truth is defined as what is always valid, as inflexible reality. It's fixed. It's invariable. It's unalterable. It's permanent facts. Now, realize that without absolute truth, 
there is no standard of right and wrong. And see, I think one of the reasons secular humanists try to push this thing called relativism, that truth is relative, is because if they would come to a conclusion that truth is absolute, then they would have to deal with right and wrong. They would have to deal with sin and righteousness, righteousness being living right before God and what's right in God's eyes versus what is allowable or permissible among men, okay? Now, no one is forced to accept the truth. But yet it's certainly, I believe, a disgrace upon the human intellect when a person is not even interested in finding out what the truth is. To me, it's an insult. I believe if you talk sensibly to anyone and they're responding sensibly, they really will come to the conclusion, yes, I want to know the truth. I don't want to believe a lie. I don't want to be deceived. And, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, those who reject the truth will one day come to realize it and admit it, hopefully before it's too late. Because those who reject the truth become subject to believe the lie. And that's pretty dangerous. And, and that's what, you know, a concern to me when somebody, if I'm sharing the gospel and, and they totally reject the message of Jesus Christ, in rejecting the truth, they set themselves up to swallow the lie. They'll believe the lie. And, and so uh, I believe that the God who created the world also made our brains. Do you believe that? <laughs> and he made our brains in a way so that we could understand him, so that we could connect with him, so we could relate to him. See, he wants you to know him, and he wants you to know the truth. And, and see, you need to understand that about the heart of the Father God. He wants you to encounter him and know him. And that's why he sent Jesus Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Jesus is the exact, exact representation of the Father. So if we come to know who Jesus is, then we know who the Father is because they're one, okay? Now, I'm a truth seeker, and I'm not afraid to admit that or declare that. I'm a truth seeker, and the reason I'm a truth seeker is because I don't want to believe a lie. I don't want to be deceived, I can remember as a young man, I was probably about 17 years old, and I was on the farm in Junction City. I was raised on a dairy farm about 11 miles west of here. And it was my uh, day to do chores in the morning to go help my dad uh, to feed the cows, feed the cattle. And I had just come to a place in my life where I had heard the truth of the gospel. Before I'd heard the gospel that Jesus extended his grace to me that if I believe in him, not based on my works, that I could be saved. Uh, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, we are saved by grace, not of works, lest any man should boast. So it's not what we do that saves us. It's what Jesus did that saves us. And, and we put our faith in him. Before that time, I was believing that if I live good enough, if I was a good enough guy, I could make heaven. I could earn heaven. But I'd come to the realization that as good as I could be, it wasn't good enough. I was still lost in the need of a Savior. And so I came to that realization in making Jesus the Lord of my life. And I was in a scenario where I was taught different things that were contrary to Scripture. And I can remember I was in the silo room. What's a silo room? It's a, it's a little room that's attached to a silo. You drive out in the country, see all these silos out there. And in that si silo, we had silage. So I was uh, putting silage in the silage cart. And I'm standing in that silo room as the cart is being filled, and I'm getting ready to feed the cows. And I begin to cry out, Jesus, I've lived under deception, under a false belief. All these years, and I wasn't that old. I was still you know, a teenager. But even so, 
And I can remember crying out, Lord, I don't ever want to be deceived again. And I can remember in that moment, I felt like God said, okay, I will answer that prayer. But that required me to become a truth seeker. That put a little effort on my part, not just to believe everything I would hear, but to search out the scriptures, to go a little deeper, to dig, to make sure that what I believe is truth. What happened in that moment, too, was a hatred for deception. Anything that was a lie, anything that would deceive me, there was like a hatred towards that. Now, is it okay to hate? Well, the scripture says concerning Jesus in Hebrews 1 that Jesus loved righteousness and he hated iniquity. See, Jesus hates sin, but he loves the sinner, okay? We need to understand that. That's why he saves the sinner and he dealt with the sin. He nailed it to the cross and he took the consequence of that sin upon himself so you and I could go free. Now, part of that realization was the truth that I could live in freedom and be free in Christ and break the bondages that held me back. See, when you discover that you've been deceived and have been living a life of deception, it gives you a distaste for deception. And so one of the things that's important in my life is this thing called integrity. What's integrity? Well, integrity has to do with, uh, when you look at even this podium, uh, this podium has integrity in the way it was constructed and designed. It's integrity in how it was built. So it's, it will serve a purpose, and I can actually lean on it, and I don't have to be afraid that it's going to collapse under my weight because it has integrity. It, and, and, and really, we discover that integrity, when we look at it in a broader sense, as it relates to our life and how we live our lives, we discover that integrity begins by seeking the truth, if you want integrity in your life. Integrity is basing everything on truth, seeking the truth of God's word and the truth of the matter is how we actually develop integrity in our lives, okay? In fact, the act of continuing in the word is what establishes truth in our lives. That's why I challenge you and encourage you, read the Bible every day, study it. Don't let a day go by that you're not in the word because this is your daily bread. Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So you need to be spending time in the word. And, you know, and particularly, and I'm not recommending you do this, I'm committed to reading eight chapters a day. And, and sometimes that's challenging because it, it takes a, a little while. And, but yet, so that way, through the year, I'll read the Bible through two and a half times, and I'll read in different translations and, and different things like that. But you need to know that your pastor is in the Word. There's not a day that goes by that I'm not in the Word. But that challenge isn't just for me as your pastor. That's a challenge I put upon myself. I challenge you as a congregation, be in the word every day. So that when I'm up here preaching, I won't deceive you if I start teaching some goofy stuff or false doctrine. Because if you're in the word, you say, but pastor, what about this? And you can challenge me. You can call me out on it. And, and we can have a, have a conversation about it. Because there have been times, and I hate to admit it in my life, but I've been wrong. There's times I believed things that were contrary to the word and I thought was true, but I was wrong because I was challenged by somebody that took the time to say, Pastor, you didn't really look at this in the proper light. You didn't really look at this in the right context. And so then it's coming to know the truth through the various elements of, of how do we come to a place of knowing what the word says and the truth of it, Okay. Uh, you know, you can't take something out of context because did you know I could get up here and preach? The Bible says there is no God. And I'm act- that was a true statement that I just said. But it's a true statement out of context. Right before, and this is like two or three times in the Psalms, it says the fool has said in his heart there is no God. 
See, there's a danger of taking something out of context because you can say something totally different than what the Bible says because the Bible may be quoting something that was said by somebody that wasn't even, you know, a godly person. But as to what they said, it doesn't mean that's a true statement. It's true because they said it. Just like the scripture says, there is no God. But again, or sometimes people take one scripture, they connect it with another. Um, Judas went out and hung himself. Flip over, and, and Jesus actually said, go and do thou likewise. <laughs> so, you know, and you're taking two scriptures, you're putting them together that we're not meant to be together, right? Okay, so should we get off of that? Okay. Now, some people can't discern the truth from the lie. So spending time in the word will acquaint us with the truth and understanding so that we won't be taken by the lie. So we won't give in to the lie. We won't accept the lie. Without spending time in the Bible, you are more likely to compromise the truth and live your life based on a lie. Let me just make this statement. You can write this down if you're taking notes. And I do have three points for you. We'll get to that (laughs) towards the end. Truth is absolute and unchanging. Truth is absolute and unchanging. See, there's a contrast, the truth versus the lie. You cannot change the truth because it's constant and consistent and unchanging. But you can change a lie. But you can never change the truth. The truth will always be the same. For example, if there was a crime, there's only one truth relating to that crime. Now, there may be different witnesses that testify of the truth of what they've seen. But there may be somebody that lies and tries to tell something that's not consistent with the truth and what really happened. But the problem with a lie is lies have to be covered up. So when you tell one lie and say, oh, I didn't think about that, then you have to tell another lie to cover that up. And oh, now I have to tell another lie to cover up. And before long, you are living your life based on the lie. And you can't even tell the truth from the lie. You are so deep under the deception of the lie. Does that, does that make sense? Okay. Yes. The truth can't change. Now, the truth can change a lie, but a lie will never change the truth. Okay? Now, Pontius Pilate, he asked a question that I believe is in the heart of, of a lot of people, maybe, maybe everyone. In John eighteen thirty seven, 37, uh, the scripture reads, and Pilate said to Jesus, this was at his trial, at, right prior to his crucifixion, Pilate was a governor, a Roman governor, that was orchestrating the execution of Jesus Christ. He basically had to give the permission for him to be executed. He didn't actually carry it out. He gave the orders. And Pilate was the one that could have set Jesus free in in that moment. And so as Pilate is standing before Jesus and interrogating him, this is kind of the scenario. You can read the rest of the chapter to see the whole story. Says then Pilate said to him, So so you are a king. Jesus answered, You say that I'm a king. And so he agreed, Yep, you're right, right on. Uh, for this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I've come into the world. Notice what he says to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Pilate said to him, What? Is truth. Now think about this guy. Jesus makes this testimony. I am here. My whole purpose in coming into this world is to bear witness to the truth. And so Pilate's mind starts thinking, okay, well, well, what is truth? What is truth? And after he said this, the scripture reads, he went back outside to the Jews and told them, I find no guilt in him. See, in that moment, Pilate had a revelation of the man that was standing before him. And he realized that this was not just any ordinary man that was brought before him 
for execution. And this was a man that was witnessing to the truth. And the truth was that he was the king, that he was really the king. He was born king of the Jews, which was a conflict in, uh, because Roman at that time was occupied. I mean, uh, Israel was occupied by the Roman Empire. But so what is a truth seeker? I, I have some points on here uh, for you to identify with what a truth seeker is. A truth seeker is someone who is on a journey to discover what is authentic, what is genuine and real. A truth seeker is, appl- is appalled by what is false and counterfeit. They have a hard time with it. To seek the truth, you will have to investigate to get to the truth of the matter. And whether it's dealing with uh, two kids that are fighting that, you know, in your home, uh, you need to get the facts. Okay, who did what? Who said what? Who, you know, you, you have to search out the truth. You have to do some investigation. And, and how many of you parents can tell when your kids aren't telling the truth? <laughs> you know, um, we learned this from a, a detective a number of years ago. Um, he was uh, meeting with us and he said, you know, one of the things when, when you're uh, interrogating somebody or talking to them and you ask them a question, and you're trying to find the truth of a matter, um, if they t- start to shift their eyes this way, look down, but they don't look at you, most likely they're lying. I thought, oh, that's interesting. So we'll just use that one on our kids. <laughs> yeah, so, and parents, we have a responsibility to train our kids to make sure that they don't begin to base their lives on a lie address those things at an early age, and it will do them good and you good as well. All right? Uh, If you're attempting to discover the truth in a dispute between two parties, guess what? A truth seeker hears both sides. And I think that's a problem. You and I will take offense with people because we've only heard one side of the issue. We will make a judgment. We will form an opinion of somebody else because we've only heard one side. You need to be careful about that. Because you may take offense with someone and you only heard half the story. But guess what? Until you hear the other side. The Bible says don't judge a matter until you've heard both parties or both sides. And so that's something we need to consider. Truth seekers are always considerate of what they hear. And and we see in the book of Acts 17.11, Paul and Silas are preaching at a place called Berea. And the inhabitants of that city received the word. Um, And uh, the scripture says they received it with readiness of mind. And many believed. But they searched the scriptures to make sure what Paul and Silas were saying were the truth. They 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 heard their message, but they went to the word. They took it seriously. They searched it out. Truth seekers keep biblical resource principles at the heart of their research and growth in understanding God and Jesus Christ. Truth seekers are willing to trust God. In fact, I, I think that children are, are the most receptive to believing, to believe, you know, they'll accept the truth. That's why we have to be careful that we tell them the truth. Because what you tell them, they'll believe, and you don't want them to believe a lie. Tell them the truth. In Jesus' prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane, in John chapter 17, verse 16 and 17, it's interesting because Jesus was praying for his disciples. This was in light. He was just ready to be crucified. And he's ready to to leave this world, uh, to be buried, to be raised from dead again, to be ascended to heaven. But Jesus praying not only for his disciples, but all that would believe. So, Jesus' prayer in John chapter 17 includes you and me. And in verse 16, it says, They are not of this world. Jesus, again, praying for his disciples. Just as I'm not of this world. Notice verse 17. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Sanctify them. What does that word sanctify mean? That word sanctify means to set apart. To give place, proper place to. We need to be sanctified by the truth or we need 
to allow this word to set us apart. This word needs to be set apart in our life so that we will align with it. Okay? Now, the Bible, which is the word of God, does not just contain truth. It is truth, and it's absolute. It's inerrant. Uh, Part of our statement of belief at Refuge concerning Scripture, I'm going to read this. This is from our, our tenets of doctrine and faith. Scripture, concerning Scripture, we believe that the Bible is the inspired word of God. It is inerrant, free from error, and infallible, incapable of error. As originally given, we believe in its full historical authenticity and clarity. The Bible is the authoritative rule of faith and practice and is superior to conscience and reason, but not contrary to reason. So where is truth found? It's found in the Bible. It's found in his word. Okay. And uh, it's, it's interesting. I can say some other things. We, because there's, there's some interesting, uh, in our high school at Stevensburg Christian Academy, we've done a, a series where we do uh, some uh, archaeological research studies where they've actually proven historical facts of the Bible, where they've gone to sites, they've done digs, and they have proven the validity of the Bible based on archaeology. That's wonderful. Now, do I need to do that to believe? No, I believe because I, by faith. But for the skeptic to the unbeliever, it gives cred, credibility to the Bible because of, of that these things are, are really true that we read and see in God's word. So truth has a source. And the source of truth is our creator, who is Jesus Christ. And Jesus reveals himself to us through his word. And again, let's look at John 8, 31, 32. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word and you are truly my disciples, you are truly my disciples and you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. So is truth working in you? I need to ask that question. Is truth bringing freedom in your life, or are you still subject to bondage? In First Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3, the scripture reads, For this reason, we also thank God without ceasing. Because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you welcomed it, not as the word of men, but as it is, in truth, the word of God, which also effectively works in you who believe. Now, uh, let me just talk about this for a moment, this particular passage. These Thessalonians received the word of God. And it wasn't the word of man. And it it makes that very clear here in this particular passage, that this is addressing the fact that they received the word and that the word was doing an effective work because they believed it. They not only received it, but they believed it, and they began to do its work. Let me tell you, when you receive the word, when you believe the word, it begins to do its work in your life. Because the word is God's breath spoken to bring change, to bring healing, to bring deliverance, to set things in order, to make wrongs right. See, you need to allow the word to work its effective work in your life. And how is that done? By receiving it and believing it. The moment you believe it, it begins to do its work in you. Okay? And so we need to understand that. So Romans 1, 18, because I I have a heading over this called truth suppression. There are those who suppress the truth. And hopefully you're not a truth suppressor. In Romans 1.18, it says, The wrath of God is revealed from all heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time here, but you need to understand that there are forces in this world that are trying to suppress the truth. In unrighteousness, and in unrighteousness means the, the wicked ways, the carnal ways of this world that conflict with what God's ways are, okay? And so... Uh, there are truth suppressors. Don't be suppressed by a truth suppressor, okay? By the wickedness, by the way the world thinks, by reversed thinking that's contrary to the truth. That's why your mind needs to be renewed to the word of God. 
So I'm going to give you some points here. What does it mean for us as refuge to be enablers for those who seek truth? What does it mean? And I need to reference this. To enable someone, uh, and the context of that is usually negative, because as an enabler, enabler, enabling people to remain in their bondage, their sin, their issues. But uh, we're seeing this and pulling this into a positive context in reference to truth when we enable somebody who's seeking truth to deliver it to them, okay? So it's in that context because uh, I don't want you to go out there, oh, we need to be enablers. Well, in the right context, okay? So just get that right. So number one, point number one, what does it mean for us as refuge to be enablers for those who seek truth? It means we have to search out and discover the truth for ourselves so we can be ready and equipped to share it with others, okay? So in other words, you need to know it so you can show it and share it, okay? It means you have to search out and discover the truth for ourselves so we can be ready and equipped to share it with others. And, and there's a scripture here for this particular point. Second Timothy 2.5, I mean 2.15. 2 Timothy 2.15, it says, Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed Rightly handling the word of God. In other words, you need to know how to handle the word. You need to be familiar with it. Just like with any implement that you may have. You know, uh, how many carpenters do we have here? Okay, you have this thing called the skill saw. A skill saw is a very dangerous thing in the wrong hands, right? But to have a skill saw, to be able to handle that thing, you have to be trained in it, okay? Same with the word of God. You need to be trained in the Word of God so that you can handle it, so you can know how to use it properly, okay? And so, point number two. It means that we speak the truth in love, not to tear down, but to build up. If we're enablers for those who seek truth, we need to use truth to build people up, not cut them down. Because people have misused truth to destroy people's lives, condemning them to hell putting them down, making them feel unworthy, worthless scum. See, truth is something that can either crush or heal, depending on how you use it. I love this building because, you know, it's, it provides a wonderful place for us to meet as a church. Um, but the beams that hold up this building, even though they're good because they're holding up a roof and protecting us from the elements, if they were to be laid on you, they could crush you. And that's kind of how truth is. You don't want to use truth to crush people. You want to use truth to help people, okay? Uh, Ephesians 4.15 says, Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way unto him who is the head, even Christ, into Christ. So, yeah, it's, it's using the word, speaking it in love, not out of condemnation or, or hatred or cruelty, okay? Then number three, it means that we help others to discover what true freedom is. If we are enablers for those who seek truth, we help others to discover what true freedom is. And, and we have a new reality in Christ. In Romans 12, 2, it says we're not to be conformed to this world, but we're to be transformed by the renewing, renewing of our mind. And, and so renewing your mind is, is to, to allow your mind to come to know and understand what this says, Okay. And my new reality, according to the word, is I'm a new creation, a new creature in Christ. All things have passed away. I'm dead to sin. This is my new reality. But now I'm alive unto God through Jesus Christ, my Lord. I'm forgiven, and I've been made the righteousness of God in in Christ. In other words, I have a right nature inside of me because of Jesus. The old nature is removed. And so there's so many things we could say about a new reality. My new reality is not what I used to be. It's not what the world says about me, but what the word of God says about me. That's my new reality. And, you know, so we, through the renewing of our mind, create pathways in our mind, the way we rethink things so that we can remove those old patterns so that that no longer becomes our default, but the word of God becomes our default, okay? 
And um, on computers, sometimes you have to change your default because you, it'll keep going back to, the, to what it's been programmed to do. But the renewing of your mind is to reprogram your mind so that you have a new default. All right. John eight thirty six. The scripture reads, So if the sun sets you free, you will be free indeed. At this time, the worship team is coming up. And one of the things in our new reality that we need to understand is, is that we need to stand secure in the freedom. Galatians 5.1 says, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. That yoke of slavery means, uh, in the context that it was written, is to come under the, the law. Or the slavery can also mean being a slave to sin and, and all that. But Jesus came to set us free. And you can find freedom in him today. Maybe you've not lived your life really walking with God or serving him. And, and I tell you, no matter how free you think you are, you're in bondage. You're not free. Because Jesus Christ is the only one that can bring freedom in your life, true freedom. You may have a form of freedom, but it may be a lie. You may be thinking, I'm free to sin and do whatever I want, but that's only a bondage, that there's going to be a payday because the Bible says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. See, when we understand truth, and if we're going to be enablers to those who seek truth, the truth is a person. The truth is a person when it all boils down. And it's the person of Jesus Christ. In John 14, 6, Jesus said to him, he said to Thomas, Thomas was saying, show us the Father and all this. And Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So Jesus is the truth. Jesus, the truth manifests in bodily form. I want you just to bow your heads for a moment. There's a couple of things we want to do in closing. We're going to have the prayer team up in just a little bit. The first thing is to present an opportunity for those of you that have never encountered Jesus. Maybe you've gone to church, you've been religious, but you've never really had a true encounter with Jesus where you've experienced him for who he is as one to bring freedom in your life. Maybe you're not a disciple and and you want to accept Jesus' challenge to abide in his word so that you can become his disciple, a follower of him. Because when you make a decision to accept Jesus, to receive him as your Lord and Savior, the next step is, will you be a disciple? Will you follow him? Will you live for him? So if you're here today and you say, Pastor, you know, I don't know really where I stand with God. If I were to die today, I don't have complete assurance that I'd be okay. I don't have complete assurance that I'd go to heaven if I were to die. Maybe I'd go to hell. I have questions. I have doubts. I have uncertainties. And if you say, Pastor, would you pray for me so that I can know that my life is right with God? So that I could receive Jesus as the Lord of my life? So that I could encounter Him as truth? If that's you, lift your hand. If you want me to pray for you, say, Pastor, would you pray for me so that I can know that my life is right with God? Let's stand together. And we're going to pray what I call a believer's prayer. And a believer's prayer is simply acknowledging Jesus, the Lord of your life, receiving him, putting your faith in him, accepting him as truth. So let's pray that prayer. Repeat after me. Heavenly Father, I come before you in need of a Savior. Jesus, I acknowledge you as the Savior of the world. And now I invite you to be my Savior. 
and I accept you as my Lord. I believe in my heart that you died in my place and that you rose from the dead to give me new life. Forgive me of my sins and make my life what you want it to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer right in this very moment, if you did that for the first time, you are set apart, and God is beginning to do a work in you to cleanse you, to make you his own. The scripture says, old things pass away, all things become new. We are introduced into a new life in Christ Jesus, where sin no longer will bring judgment upon you because Jesus bore that judgment. And within you is the gift of eternal life, which we receive when we put our faith and trust in him. For the rest of you, my challenge is to be an enabler to those who seek truth. Who will you encounter that you can help to come to know the truth of Jesus and to guide them through the truth of God's word and help them? How many of you want to be an enabler for those who seek truth? Lift your hand. Hold it up, okay? Thank you, Father. Father, I thank you for those that have responded in this invitation to be enablers to those who seek truth, that you would give them the right words. Even though they say, God, I don't know what to say, guide them, Holy Spirit, lead them to be enablers for those who seek truth. And Father, we thank you for the freedom that comes when truth is received. And Father, the truth that we need to receive in our lives so we can be free and no longer be bound. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we want to worship God in a closing song. And the prayer team will be up here. If you are in a place where there's bondage in your life, know that Jesus wants to set you free. And he will set you free. And the prayer team will be up here to pray with you. Uh, for that or any other need. If you responded to that invitation to accept Jesus, you're invited to come forward as well when the prayer team's up here. God bless you. Thank you so much for being so attentive to God's word. At Refuge, we believe all people matter to God. Thank you so much for listening. If you would like to connect further with Refuge, feel free to go online to wearerefuge.net or on social media at wearerefuge.net.